This is C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. Just ahead, our conversation with Mercedes Schlapp. She is now a senior advisor with the Trump campaign and served as White House Director of Strategic Communications. But first, some background. This is a consequential moment in American politics. We continue to deal with the coronavirus pandemic, the Biden-Harris ticket, it's now in place, the two leading parties holding their conventions, although much of it virtually, and the stage set for the critical and very uncertain fall campaign. For Democrats, the battle lines are drawn. Here is how vice presidential candidate California Senator Kamala Harris is framing the comparison debate. Six years ago, in fact, we had a different health crisis. It was called Ebola. And we all remember that pandemic. But you know what happened then? Barack Obama and Joe Biden did their job. Only two people in the United States died. Two. That is what's called leadership. But compare that to the moment we find ourselves in now. When other countries are following the science, Trump pushed miracle cures he saw on Fox News. While other countries were flattening the curve, he said the virus would just poof, go away. Quote, like a miracle. Those comments from Senator Harris in her first speech as the Democratic vice presidential candidate. Of course, four years ago, most analysts predicted a Hillary Clinton victory. Four years later, the nation will now consider the record of President Donald J. Trump as voters prepare to cast their ballots. This is what the president-elect told the country in the early morning hours of November 9th, 2016. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans. And this is so important to me. For those who have chosen not to support me in the past, of which there were a few people, I'm reaching out to you for your guidance and your help so that we can work together and unify our great country. That was nearly four years ago, and of course, so much has transpired since then. Another campaign is underway. And so what is the Trump strategy? For that, we turn to Mercedes Schlapp. And I began our conversation with this point in a recent Time magazine cover story. Molly Ball, who joined us last week on The Weekly, wrote the following. In the 2020 that might have been, nobody is sick and politics is the center of the universe. Of course, this is not the re-election campaign that Mercedes Schlapp and the Trump campaign prepared for. It is a year with uncharted political waters. Well, obviously, uh, the COVID has uh, dramatically impacted the campaign season. You know, when we when we first had to close our office back, I would say in March, you know, one of the things that our, our former campaign manager talked about was the importance of getting uh, really building out strongly our digital uh, presence. And we did that by launching Team Trump Online. It's a, it was seven days a week of programming where we are able to talk directly to the American people. And what we found there is that, you know, we started hitting every night over one million viewers. I mean, some shows would get up to five to six million viewers a night. And so we felt that that would be a good platform to be able to talk about the president's message, have guests on who support the president and also be able to define Joe Biden's 
uh, weak record as a career politician. Uh, so we, we did adjust accordingly. Now, as we're moving into this next phase of the campaign uh, and working very closely, obviously, with uh, the, the state and local governments, as we're going into some of these states, we've launched two bus tours, the Women for Trump bus tour uh, that's been uh, it's going to be on the road for the 80, 81 days left. Uh, we just, I was just in Pennsylvania on that bus tour with Laura Trump and Katrina Pearson. And then we have another bus tour, Team Trump uh, bus tour that's down in Florida and also going to be traveling for 82 days. And our goal is really to get to these states and get to these communities in person, uh, be with our grassroots activists. Of course, we're doing this in a a socially, following the CDC guidelines in a social distancing, wearing the mask when we need to wear the mask. Uh, but also feel that it's very important to be on the ground and, uh, you know, talking to the people who are doing such a, such hard work to reelect the president. So from your standpoint, what is the choice that the American voter will be making in November? Look, I think the choice is very clear. This is a the fight for the for our nation. It is about freedom versus socialism. I mean, what we are seeing right now and what we have seen with the pick of Kamala Harris even as a VP, is the complete socialist takeover of Joe Biden. We knew he was inching there, and we knew that he had supported uh, Bernie Sanders' uh, socialist manifesto, the unity agenda, which has far-left elements in it. And the reality is is that we know with looking at Kamala's record, which is she's ranked as the most liberal senator in the Senate, it just shows that that they are not running in the center that this is a party that's running far left, and our job will be to expose their record and talk about uh, the decisions that they've made to support, for example, like Kamala has done as being co-sponsor of Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All single-payer system, uh, as well as a co-sponsor of the Green New Deal, which we know would uh, transform the energy industry. It would also lead to the loss of about 10 million jobs in the energy industry. And so you know, they, they, Kamala even opposed USMCA, which is a, you know, which was a bipartisan deal that we know has brought many benefits to farmers and manufacturers in states like Michigan and Wisconsin and Iowa. And so we're going to, you know, talk about this need for strong leadership and the fact that President Trump has had a very strong record when it comes to building a prosperous economy and fighting for the American workers. And we, we and his common sense approach in many of these things, whether it be in getting rid of job killing regulations, whether it be reducing taxes, whether it be better trade deals, these have been economic policies that have helped maintain a strong economy in America, while at the same time staying focused on combating coronavirus, a global pandemic of an enormous size, where he has uh, focusing on ensuring that we get the vaccines developed, the therapeutics needed, and taking a whole government approach and working with the private sector as well to ensure that our state and local governments have the resources they need. But as you know, outside of the travel ban, one of the biggest criticisms aimed at the president is that initially he did not take this seriously enough. I think that's absolutely incorrect. I think it was the president that early on listening to his health care experts Uh, basically said we need to put these uh, trade restrictions in place. 
We know that there was the when they were looking at the modeling initially, you were talking about two million deaths in America, uh, and he recognized that we needed to take immediate steps. We knew that, for example, that uh, during the Obama Biden uh, time frame and their administration, they had depleted the national stockpile. The president worked quickly to restock our national stockpile, making sure that we had enough masks in there, have enough ventilators, and in making sure that he could respond quickly to the needs of these governors, especially in states like New York and California. Both governors were Democrats, not friends of the president necessarily, praising the president for being there with the resources needed to get through this crisis in those hot spots. Let's talk about this election of Senator Kamala Harris. And in her initial speech in Wilmington, Delaware, with Democrat Joe Biden, this is what she said about the economy and about President Trump. Trump is also the reason millions of Americans are now unemployed. He inherited the longest economic expansion in history from Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And then, like everything else he inherited, he ran it straight into the ground. Because of Trump's failures of leadership, our economy has taken one of the biggest hits out of all the major industrialized nations with an unemployment rate that has tripled as of today. This is what happens when we elect a guy who just isn't up for the job. That from Senator Kamala Harris in Wilmington, Delaware. Mercedes Schlapp, your response. Yeah, I just think for, you know, she has her facts wrong. And there's a great National Review article, I actually tweeted it out as well, that talks about basically the inaccuracies in their speech. We know that the slowest economic recovery since the Great Depression was under the Obama-Biden administration. In fact, in our last jobs report in July, we saw we created 1.8 million jobs. That means in a mere two to three months, we've recuperated about 40% of the jobs that we've lost because of the artificial interruption of coronavirus. It took the Obama-Biden over two years to replace 40% of the jobs. So we feel strongly that our economic policies are working for the American people. Even during the cyclical time, look, there is a big reality here. You know, you have many of these states that are still not reopened completely. They're not reopening up their schools. They're not reopening up the economy. You have states like California, for example. Some of them are transitioning slowly. We are not where we, we need to be. There's no question. But we've been hit by a global pandemic. And I think for the Democrats to use coronavirus or blame the president for coronavirus or for the job loss is absolutely ridiculous. We know we had to uh, close the economy because for safety. It was because of the safety and the health of the American people. And then finding that balance of reopening the economy, of course, based on what the governors advised in their own states, uh, is obviously the priority. The president has talked about it, the need of reopening up our economy, the need of reopening up our, our, our churches, reopening up our schools, all in a safe manner, which we know we can do if we, social, if we follow the CDC guidelines of social distancing, wearing our mask, and knowing that we are doing what we can uh, to uh, develop a vaccine, which as we know, there's about six trials happening right now. And that's because of President Trump's leadership. And he's ma- focused on ensuring that get, at what, doing what we can 
to combat this virus, which is a top priority for him. What I don't like is when the president, when you have the opponents, the Democrats, basically using coronavirus for their own political gain. I want to come back to the issue of the vaccines in just a moment. But as you know, one of the stories that uh, that broke immediately after Kamala Harris was named was that between the president and his daughter, Ivanka, they had contributed up to $8,000 in her campaign for California Attorney General. Why did they contribute to her campaign? Well, as you know, uh, Steve, when it comes to corporations, when it comes to businessmen, obviously this was prior to President Trump even going into politics. I mean, I don't... You know, you have these individuals who are businessmen who give to both parties. They give to both Republicans or Democrats. So it's not surprising that a a businessman of his uh, stature and or or corporations also give to both sides, to both parties. So I I don't I think it's a non story. I really do. I know a lot of the media has been focusing on it, but I just think that anyone who knows and has been in this political world understands that anyone who's been, you know, people who are in business, sometimes what they do is they give to both sides. Here's what the president told reporters at the White House on the day that the announcement was made. I was a little surprised. She was extraordinarily nasty to uh, Kavanaugh, Ju- Judge Kavanaugh then, now Justice Kavanaugh. She was nasty to a level that was just uh, a horrible thing, the way she was, the way she treated now Justice Kavanaugh. And I won't forget that soon. Will this continue to come up during the campaign, that moment during his confirmation hearing? Oh, I believe so. I think that that really impacted uh, so many of us, especially for uh, women who, you know, think about their husbands or their brothers or, you know, their fathers or their sons. Basically seeing what Kamala Harris did to try to destroy um, Brett Kavanaugh during that hearing Uh, where it wasn't a fair hearing in any sort of way. And I think that, you know, I think that will definitely be part of this discussion of of, on her record. You know, I think one other point is the fact that she has uh, pushed forward on this kind of anti-Catholic approach where she, for judges, for example, would put a religious litmus test on Catholic judges um, and, you know, basically pushing them in a very very uncomfortable position, basically going after a big charitable organization like uh, the Knights of Columbus who help in the Catholic community. So, uh, you know, there is such bigotry associated with how uh, she has addressed Catholics when it comes to judges and when it comes to some of the organizations that I know in my community, in our Catholic community, we value greatly. And that was an issue that David Brody posed to Vice President Mike Pence in a recent interview with the Christian Broadcast Network. Let's listen and get your reaction. Are you scratching your head a little bit on John Roberts? I mean, I'm not, we're not going to call him David Souter at this point, but conservatives have, have had a track record of having some problems with Supreme Court justices that you thought were going to be a reliable vote. Or at least when I say a reliable vote, I'm just talking about, you know, to, to adhere to conservative principles. Look, we... We have great respect for the institution of the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, But Chief Justice John Roberts has been a disappointment to conservatives, whether it be the Obamacare decision or whether it be a spate of recent decisions all the way through uh, Calvary Chapel. It's just it's a reminder. And uh, I think several cases out of the Supreme Court are a reminder of just how important this election is for the future of the Supreme Court. We we remember the issue back in 2016. which I believe loomed large in voters' decisions between Hillary Clinton uh, and the man who would become president of the United States. 
And some people thought that it wouldn't be as big an issue these days, but I think that's all changed. The recent decision, and again, a narrow Supreme Court decision, striking down a Louisiana pro-life law that only said that doctors working in abortion clinics would have to have admitting privileges at local hospitals. That's a very modest restriction on abortion providers, but a narrow majority in the Supreme Court still said it was unacceptable. That with Vice President Mike Pence. And first, Mercedes Schlapp, your reaction to his comments, that interview. Well, you know, obviously we all agree and as a conservative, the concern where Chief Justice Roberts has, you know, made some uh, interesting decisions on the court uh, that have been surprising to conservatives. And so obviously I think that the key is, you know, as, as we know, in this upcoming election, there's probably going to be several vacancies. And that's why the, the choice of, the, of who will be president is so incredibly important. And we know uh, with the picks that President Trump has made with Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, you know, these are individuals who are strict constitutionalists. You know, obviously, they're, they, they, for them, this is about independence. They need to not be influenced by any political party of sorts. But what you see time and time again is that the Obama picks, any of the, the Democrat picks, they, are rely, they vote 100 percent liberal. There's hardly a time that they uh, don't vote uh, or don't go over to the other side, I would say. Um, and, and when it comes to our judges, we it, it is. You know, you do find that it is a lot less reliable uh, when it comes to these issues. But I will say that for the president, one of his biggest legacies will be all the judicial appointments that he has made and that uh, Senator McConnell has been able to get approved because it has had a a big impact in the judicial system at the federal level uh, with these judges. And I think that will be um, one of the biggest legacies the president will have. This is C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. We're talking to Mercedes Schlapp. She was born in South Florida, and she's married to Matt Schlapp, the mother of five daughters. So what's politics like in your family? <laughs> well, there's a lot of politics. Sometimes I think that the girls would would prefer for us to be maybe in another line of business, <laughs> Steve. Maybe, you know, I think it would be maybe a little easier for them. But I think it's such a, to a certain extent, I think it's such a wonderful experience for them to know that we we really fight for what we believe in we love this country we love this country so much i mean my father who who suffered under cuban communist regime and was in jail for six years and came to america for a new life and his and his children have been able to have great opportunities i mean i've worked in a white house two times and uh and really know that what you, you know what you're fighting for and what i'm fighting for is to ensure that we preserve our freedoms in this country, freedom of speech, freedom of worship, uh, knowing that, you know, America is a big enough land that we can have differing opinions, that you shouldn't be shut down by the other side. Uh, And, you know, what I find troubling right now is watching how socialism is creeping into America. And so I really feel that I'm called to lead this fight and be part of the fight of, of ensuring that we protect these freedoms here. And, and it's why I feel for, for me, and, and, and obviously the issue of pro-life is very important to me as well, it's why President Trump represents what we need in America right now. And, and you know, we can't say that on the other side, on the Democrat side, it's a little, they, they have moved away from being moderate. 
And so I do think for Matt and myself, you know, our faith is very important to us. We try our best to talk to the children about what's happening in the political world so they're aware. We want them, obviously, to to be able to foster their own opinions, but we want to ensure that they know that, you know, mom and dad are out there doing the best they can uh, to, to get this president reelected, to ensure that we have a, 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 an America where our children can have great opportunities and they can be also, you know, social justice warriors and, and, and being a voice for those in need. And I think that that's, you know, what we try to bring to our family every day. And speaking of being out there, the president uh, in the coming week will be in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Arizona, and in Scranton, Pennsylvania, Joe Biden's hometown during the week of the Democratic convention. What's the strategy? You know, I think we feel very strongly, and I know that for Joe Biden, he has done a lot of his events are virtual. He doesn't really go anywhere, and we really see very little of Joe Biden. He doesn't take the tough questions. He doesn't, uh, you know, he's maybe taken about... I don't know, close to 50 questions since mid-July compared to the president, uh, taking about over 449 questions. I think that there's a, a, a reality here that the president feels very strongly that he needs to be out there with the American people and being able to talk about what he's been able to accomplish these three and a half years, obviously talk about the vi- coronavirus situation that's uh, impacting all of us, And how are we going to get through this together as a nation? And what do we see America uh, in the next four years? And I think it's going to be a message of hope. It's going to be a message of of ensuring that Americans can get back to work, that children can get back to school safely, that we're able to find, uh, you know, the the vaccine we need and and get us on the right track when it comes on uh, with coronavirus. That's where I think the president's going to be able to talk about it. You know, obviously contrast that with the, with the Joe Biden very weak economic record and his coziness to China and the fact that what the policies that they are pushing would actually hurt our economy, hurt American workers and, and hurt our families. So that's why I think the president, you know, he's going to go into these battleground states. He feels strongly that he needs to be out there to ensure that the voters know that he's fighting for them every day. But as you know, Joe Biden says this campaign is about the soul of America, and he made reference to the third anniversary of the uh, demonstrations and the the death of that one individual, the one protester in Charlottesville, Virginia. Let's listen. It was a wake-up call for all of us as a country. For me, it was a call to action. My father used to say, silence is complicity. Not original to him, but he believed it. At that moment, I knew I couldn't stand by and let Donald Trump, a man who went on to say when asked about what he thought, he said there were very fine people on both sides. Quote, very fine people on both sides. No president of the United States of America has ever said anything like that. When you heard that, what was your reaction? Well, he lied again. He falsely claimed that the president called white nationalists fine people. But even Jake Tapper from CNN said that that wasn't even true. Uh, you know, so President Trump during that time strongly condemned neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And he's the one that actually has built a strong foundation for black America, where he's focused on leading this nation and helping black Americans have economic opportunity for families to have school choice and ensure when he was one of the leaders and the leader on criminal justice reform, as opposed to Joe Biden, 
who supported the 1994 crime bill that led to the mass incarceration of black Americans. So he has no not and palled around with the segregationists. So that Kamala criticized Joe Biden on. So Joe Biden has has no strong standing in this at all. As we know, he falsely claimed made this false claim and but he won't tell the truth on this. You have a busy schedule, so let me conclude with two very final points. First of all, the uncertainty over the fall campaign with the flu season, the economy, there are a lot of variables, uh, unlike any other campaign that I think we've seen in recent history. Yeah, there's no question that we're living through unprecedented times. I think that's the one word I use with my children all the time. And it, it is a, it's difficult. Look, we are living in uncertain times, but what we do know is that there's strong leadership in the White House. There is a president who is committed to results. He understands that he's got to work and will continue to work to provide immediate relief to American families during this difficult times. We have seen the success of the Paycheck Protection Program that has uh, been very beneficial for small businesses and, and really saved about 51 million jobs. Uh, we also know that by giving this immediate relief through these past executive orders, um, whether it be unemployment relief, deferring the payroll taxes, he's taking action. We're still waiting on Congress to take action on the economic stimulus, stimulus package. Our goal is to get Americans back to work safely, get our kids back to school safely, and ensure that we can, in this new normal, be able to maintain, maintain a strong and secure America. And that will be the goal of President Trump. And after the conventions, the next major moment in this campaign will be the debates. I know your side wants four debates. There are three scheduled. Will they happen? Well, I don't think that Biden is up for a fourth debate. But the reality is the reason why we need the fourth debate is because by the first debate in September 29th, 16 states would have already started voting. And you're talking about millions of votes casted already. So, And we, we don't get to see enough of Joe Biden. So the voters just voting blindly. So uh, we really think that the American people deserve to see what Joe Biden has to offer. And I think once people start to realize that they have embraced a radical left agenda, that they are not like their grandfather's moderate party anymore, I do think that there will that, that many of these voters will question Joe Biden and his ability to lead this nation. Mercedes Schlapp. Now, that's not a common name. Why did your parents name you Mercedes? <laughs> Well, my parents, my mom's from Spain, my dad's from Cuba. The great story around that was uh, my father, who, when he was in jail, uh, prayed to the Virgin of the Mercedes. He's Catholic, and she's the Virgin of political prisoners. And she, uh, he, he promised her that if he would get out of jail safely, that I would be named, he would name his first daughter after Mercedes. So that's how I get my name, and that's why I feel very strongly that um, I'm, I'm in this fight to ensure that we save the soul of America. And the soul of America is that of greatness, of democracy, of freedoms, that all that so many Americans come, so many people come here for that because they love this country so much. And, and, you know, we want to ensure that we are able to continue this great dialogue, whether we agree or disagree. But when you have the left being so intolerant and the name calling, it just doesn't it doesn't help. It doesn't help anyone in any way. So we, we want to I want to be able to be part of this healthy discussion of ensuring that we're able to build a strong economy and keep our communities safe and ensure that those who come to America and those who are here, 
that they're able to have better opportunities for their kids. And I think that that's something that we all should strive for. On what is a busy August for you and the Trump campaign, Mercedes Schlapp, senior advisor, we thank you for being with us. Thank you. And finally, this reminder, you can find The Weekly wherever you get your favorite podcast. And remember to track all of our campaign 2020 coverage on the web at cspan.org. And on Twitter, be sure to check out our regular updates at C-SPAN Radio. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. We thank you for listening.